Liability is if you are deemed at fault in an accident. If it's your fault, you are liable. And liable comes from like an old Latin term. It means bound together or uh, that you are binded to that accident. Welcome to Getting Money Right with Leo Sabo and myself, David Thompson. Today we're talking about auto insurance and we are excited to just dig into this topic a little bit. It's one of those things that you don't usually think about until your auto bill comes due. And so, you know, once a year or maybe biannually, you're paying every six months uh, and all of a sudden you get that big number in the mail and you think, I need to look at this. And we want to help you with that. We want to help you understand what it is you're buying and if there's some ways to save money. And regardless of where you live, you know, you probably need to have a vehicle to get mm-hmm. where you're going. Yeah, uh, most of us do. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, auto insurance is something then that you're going to have to pay for, uh, especially when you look at the long-term costs. It can be pretty significant year yeah. over year what we're paying. So when we talk about costs, Leo, what are, you know, some of the average costs that people are paying for auto insurance? Well, according to Google, the average cost of car insurance is $1,426 per year or 118 per month. And unfortunately, this figure isn't very reliable, though, because the cost varies a lot. And that's based on where you live, uh, your age, the cost of your vehicle, and the cost of your coverage, uh, whatever coverage you choose. Some coverage is higher, therefore it's more expensive, and whether you're a male or a female. So Mm. all of those things come into factor. So finding an an average per year per person is almost impossible. Right. Uh, But the, the reason that we threw the number out there is to let you know that it is significant. We know that based on your age, you're going to pay a lot more. Yep. Uh, for instance, if you're a teenager, uh, we know that that's going to be the highest. Uh, I remember when I was driving, and I was not a, a great uh, young driver. Um, I, I liked speed, and I remember I got a bunch of tickets when I was, you know, before I hit 20. And I know my rate was, at one point, it was over $200 a month. My wow. car payment was less than my insurance payment, yeah. which yeah. was ridiculous, but... I kind of, you know, dug myself in a hole because I had several accidents and nobody would insure me at, at the lesser cost. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the, the highest you know, liability rates are at that 18 to 25 range mm-hmm. for young male drivers yeah. or maybe even 16 to 19, I think you've said. Yeah. 16 to 19 is the highest uh, for males. Now, the interesting fact that I found is that m- the difference between men and women, especially at that age group, the difference in cost is actually very little. It was only a few dollars apart, oh, wow. which was really surprising because I thought that usually women or girls uh, usually pay a lot less, especially in the teenage years, but that's not the case anymore. Wow, that's really interesting because I know that studies have shown that males are tend to be a little bit more aggressive behind the wheel, but then I know that with texting and phones being available mm-hmm. in cars, uh, basically every teenage driver is going to be heavily penalized, whether they're a good driver or not, just for their age, uh, because the statistics are so high that it's likely they're going to get distracted or make a mistake. Well, I know in my lifetime that's definitely changed because there used to be a lot less yeah, uh, for, to pay for, for, girls. for the girls than, than for boys. So, wow. Yeah. So you've kind of got a, a bell curve type of thing where your most expensive, or maybe an, an upside-down bell curve, where your most expensive rates are that 18, 16 to 25 range. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into your 30s, uh, you get a little bit to get better, better. rates. Yep. yep. And then as you get through your midlife, kind of between 30 and 60 is where you're going to get the best rates. Really, the best rates are in the 50s, 50 yeah. to 59. Okay. But then they begin to go up again as you get older. And that makes sense <laughs> because as you get older, your reaction and the way you react to certain things slows down and you're more of a threat to to get into accidents. And insurance companies know this, so right, they're going right. to charge you more. 
Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna get high prices on both ends. Yeah. Enjoy the middle curve if you're there, because right. it's not gonna last forever. <laughs> that's right, and it's just that's statistically where things are at, yeah. and so that's how they charge according to the stats. Yep. So when you're looking at your insurance coverage and you first get that bill in the mail, or you're talking to your agent, and there's a few different kinds of insurance that they're gonna recommend or talk to you about, and so we want to break those down a little bit. The first is liability coverage. And so liability is if you are deemed at fault in an accident. If it's your fault, Mm -hmm. you are liable. And liable comes from like an old Latin term. It means bound together or uh, that you are binded to that accident. You cause the accident, so you are bound to pay for it. You're liable for the injuries, the property damage, the medical costs, any damages that you cause to someone else, you're personally liable for. Mm-hmm. And these these limits that David just mentioned are really set at the time of your, your policy purchase. Your agent, or whether you do that online or use an agent, will walk you through and ask you, what kind of liability coverage do you want? And here in Texas, the, the minimums are 30000 for each injured person, uh, up to a total of 60000 per accident, and 25000 for the property damage. So usually you'll see this three number, 30, 60, 25, or whatever it may be in your state. And those are kind of important to understand because when you think about those figures, David, uh, 30000 used to go a long way when I, when I started driving. <laughs> right. Nowadays, a car is worth well over 30000 a new yeah. car. Many new cars are. So that minimum doesn't get us very far. So Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, I think I remember when I first started driving in Texas, it was maybe 15, 25, 15 were the liability minimums. And again, this is, this is the, what the insurance company will pay on your behalf when you caused an accident. So today it's 30, 60, 25 here in Texas. And when you're buying liability coverage, you're usually going to see those three numbers back to back to back 30, 60, 25 in different States. It may be 15, 25, 15 or 50, 150, but you're going to see those numbers 30,000 for each injured person. Well, imagine that you're driving and you hit just one car. Just, mm-hmm. You just run into one person's car, and let's say there's three people in the car. Mm-hmm. Well, if those three people each have $30,000 worth of injuries, and it says it's 30000 per person, but up to a total of 60000 per yep. accident. So now that third 30000 you owe that personally out of pocket, and they're going to sue you for that money. Well, there's a good chance that yep. they'll come and take sure. you to court to get that 30000 because you are liable for it. Property damage, most new cars are worth over $25,000. Yes. So if you cause more than $25,000 of property damage, I mean, that's just hit one car. Imagine if you hit one car and that turns and hits another car and you're liable for multiple vehicles damage or you hit a house, Mm -hmm. you're going to cause more than $25,000. I've seen people, you know, they're going really fast on a neighborhood street and they don't take the turn quite right. Yeah. I mean, if you cause $40,000 of damage to someone's house, and your coverage is only $25,000, you are liable for that other fifteen. So I rarely recommend that you get just the minimums because with medical insurance and people being out of work and medical costs, that 30000 per injured person is rarely going to be enough if you're in any kind of high-speed collision. So um, it also depends on your assets. If you have a lot of money and you've done really well uh, accumulating over your life, then you might want to have higher liability policy in your auto, but you also might want to look at an umbrella policy. So mm-hmm. what would that look like, Leo? Yeah, having an umbrella policy is a good uh, option here because anything that you would be liable for beyond the minimum, 
liability that you purchase through your insurance, then that umbrella policy would kick in. Yeah. So that way yeah. your personal assets would be down the line and more safe by yeah. having this umbrella policy. And usually the umbrella policy is very reasonable because again, it's a second level of protection just in case the first level is not met. Now, the interesting part about the umbrella policy is that with many umbrella policies, they will actually require that you increase your minimum liability. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I actually looked into this when I purchased one is they they looked at all my other policies and said, "Mm, you need to bump all of these up. And the reason they do that, obviously, is they don't want that umbrella policy to kick in right away. They they want it to be just in case. So if you keep your liability insurance for your cars at minimum, you will more than likely have to bump those up to a higher number in order to qualify for the umbrella policy. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And so think of it, they call it an umbrella policy because it goes further than just your auto insurance. It covers other things as well. So maybe your home insurance, you have a liability coverage for your home insurance. If somebody trips and falls at your home and they blame you for their injury Mm -hmm. and they sue you, then your home insurance has a baseline of liability. And if those numbers and that kind of accident goes above that baseline, then your umbrella kicks in. So the umbrella would go over your home, over your auto, over any boats or uh, other types of vehicles that you might have. And so it covers all those things beyond those basic minimums. So the umbrella policy is something that's a great choice depending on your level of assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for Ashley and I, we go well above the state minimums here in Texas because we just want to make sure that if we were ever in an accident, that the insurance company will have the amount of money going to take right. care of that accident. We don't really want to have to get into all the details of it, uh, but you know, we're always ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should be. Um, all right, so the second basic uh, coverage would be collision. And this is if you hit another vehicle or an object, like a guardrail, let's say, and your collision coverage will pay for damage or repairs to your vehicle after you pay a deductible. So it's coverage for your own vehicle. You've got into a collision. The insurance company is going to cover you. The liability covers everybody else. Collision covers you. So that's why we say sometimes uh, you can get just liability insurance, which means that the uh, liability is only for whatever damage you cause, but it does not cover your vehicle. Uh, this is covering your vehicle. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this a little later in the episode. But if you have a vehicle that's newer, and for instance, let's say you have a payment on it, most banks, in fact, I don't know of any that mm-hmm. would not require that you have at least uh, some collision coverage because they want you to be able to have the car repaired so you can continue to drive it, continue to make the payment. So it's required. And there's a different cost to this to a collision. Uh, obviously, it's a, a cost in the policy itself. And that's based on what the deductible you choose uh, is, what the amount is. So it could be $500, it could be 1000 it could be 1500 I don't ever think it goes anything beyond 1500 Usually 1000 is probably the top range, yeah. but it will be a difference in the cost of the collision coverage. If you choose a higher deductible, the cost is less, which just means that when there is a collision damage to your vehicle, you'll put in the first thousand, they'll put in the rest. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it's important to realize, okay, if I've got a $10,000 car, then I probably can't replace that car myself Mm -hmm. unless maybe you've got $10,000 in your emergency fund or more than that. It's hard to replace that. And so you would want to have collision coverage because even though the insurance company with liability will take care of everybody else, Mm -hmm. your vehicle is still broken. And so somebody's going to have to pay for it to get fixed up. And if you don't have the money, then you need collision coverage. And that's why it's required most of the time when you have a loan on the vehicle. Uh, Beyond that, 
there are times when your vehicle may only be worth, you know, two, three thousand. And right. we'll dig into some of those numbers later in the episode. So that's your collision coverage. Make sure that your vehicle is covered if you are in a collision. And then there's also comprehensive coverage. So comprehensive coverage covers everything other than collision that might happen to your vehicle. So this is comprehensive of other things outside of you know anything that may be colliding with your vehicle. So when I say comprehensive, uh, things that might come into that is if you are in a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's imagine that wind moves your car or that a hurricane uh, wrecks your car or flooding hurts your car. Uh, maybe a tree, lightning strikes, tree falls over, yep. lands on your car. It's happened before. Yes. <laughs> and so that would be under comprehensive. If you, if you have collision coverage only, they're going to say, well, you weren't driving. You didn't collide with anybody, so we're not going to cover it. You're right. like, well, the tree collided. They're like, nope, that's comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's say you hit an animal while you're driving or somebody breaks into your car and wrecks the vehicle as they're trying to rip out the radio or they're trying to do something in your car, vandalism, fire, all of those would be under comprehensive. comprehensive. Yeah. So uh, be aware. You want to make sure that you have the right different kinds of insurance for your car. Yeah, and this comprehensive coverage also has a deductible connected to it. So it, again, it could be five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred. There are also additional coverages uh, options that the either the agent or the online uh, insurance will offer you, and some of these are are worth considering, and some are not. So we want to cover some of those. So the first one is medical expenses. This coverage pays for injuries that you, a family member, or anyone else riding in your vehicle may suffer in an auto accident, uh, regardless of who is at fault. It also pays for injuries that you or your family members may incur while riding in another vehicle. So that's kind of important to know. And uh, if you have good medical coverage, though, uh, you should consider that maybe this is not necessary. It really depends. You have to really look at this because it is an additional cost. It doesn't come for free. It's not a, you know, it's not, it's an add-on. So you have to consider, okay, if there is an accident, will my coverage cover enough of the medical, the, the damage to the vehicle, you know, the total accident? Is it high enough to cover this? And if not, do I need the additional? And again, this is just medical coverage. I remember early on in my, probably my first policy that I had after I got married, I had medical up to 5000 and I got into a, an accident. Somebody uh, rear-ended me, and I ended up having some, uh, some torn muscles in my, in my uh, neck and back. And so I had you know, therapy for quite a while. It took a while to, to get back to normal, and I had several thousand dollars worth of medical expenses for that uh, treatment. I had a $5,000 policy, meaning they would pay up to $5,000 for that particular accident. So they did. They covered all of my expenses up to $5,000, which was which was really nice to have because at the time, the company I was working for, I did not have medical coverage. I was working part-time for a security company, and they just didn't offer medical for part-timers. So that came in very handy for me at the time. But now, for my insurance policy, I don't have it. It's not something that I need. But again, you have to look at your situation and say, with this additional cost— cover something I don't already have in another way, or, uh, or do I already have it and it's, it's an additional cost that I don't need to absorb? Yeah, that's really good. I talked to somebody who's an accident not not long ago, and they were saying that, uh, that their medical coverage, and it was PIP, and it was some other things, kicked in and helped them with those immediate medical bills, mm-hmm. whereas their health insurance, their actual health insurance was being a real stubborn pain. They to can work be with. for an auto accident. Yeah, with they an certainly auto, can be. Right. Sure. 
And so he said that because he told them it was an auto accident, they gave him the runaround and made it extremely difficult for him to get help with his health, where thankfully he had a little bit of the medical coverage already through his auto insurance. And so you need yeah. to be aware of that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it can be difficult because insurance companies are looking at any kind of care that you um, you require. They're going to look to see if somebody else is liable for whatever happened to you. If you have coverage through another a policy, they're going to want to be reimbursed somehow. Right, and, right. And that, that can be a, a different level of, of work that you need to do to make make sure that uh, you know, they, yeah. they're satisfied and that you get your care taken right. care of. Because if you were hit by someone else and you're injured, they're going to make sure that they go after that person sure. to pay. And that sure. person's covered by, usually covered by some kind of insurance. Mm-hmm. Now I say usually, what happens if they're uninsured? Right. <laughs> well, there's a coverage for that it in is. the auto world. You have the uninsured slash underinsured motorist coverage. Now we talked about liability and how the minimums were 30, 60, 25 here in Texas. Uh, but if you have somebody who has the minimums only and the damage they caused you is higher than those minimums, well, that's where underinsured motorists would kick in. And we have a lot of people, unfortunately, on the road who don't carry insurance. And I don't know what the number is. I, I remember seeing some statistics about it a while back and I was blown away. I think mm. it was like 30% or 25%, yeah. whatever the number was, it was a little bit scary to know that that number of people don't have insurance and they're driving vehicles that can right. cause a lot of damage if they yes. don't drive well. And so if you have uninsured or underinsured motorist protection, it keeps you safe when you are injured by somebody who doesn't have insurance. Your insurance company now kicks in and takes care of that claim. Most uh, most liability insurance uh, that you purchase will offer that. Uh, now, it is an extra cost, but it's minimal and definitely, definitely something that we recommend. Yeah. If you're going to have liability insurance, definitely add uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage because this will take care of your car in case you did not cause the accident. Yes. Even if you don't have collision and you have underinsured or uninsured motorist, your insurance company will fix your car and then go after the other person to recover uh, whatever losses that they've taken. Yeah, that's a great point because you know, the collision is only needed for when you cause injury to your cause harm to your own property. Right. But when somebody else damages your property, if you yeah. have uninsured or underinsured, they'll step in and cover right. it, which is really helpful. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, when you consider whether you're, if, like you said, David, if you have a car that's two or $3,000 and full coverage for that vehicle might cost you three to $400 every six months, so about, let's say, seven $800 a year, and you intend on keeping that car for a while. Uh, let's say you keep it for five years. Well, you know, that's $4,000 over five years in insurance. And, and you know your car is worth a lot less than that already. Right. So is it really worth it? Well, one way that you can save on insurance and still have good coverage is to have the liability. So if you cause any accident, you're, you're taken care of there. Right. But having uninsured or underinsured motorist add-on will take care of anyone wrecking you. Yeah. If the other person who's driving has insurance, obviously they would step in and say, right. okay, it's our driver's fault. We'll fix it. You may have to fight a little bit, but most of the time they'll cover it, especially if you're dealing with a reputable company. But I like to have it because I normally have a liability insurance on my vehicles because I drive older vehicles that are not worth right. very much. But I always have uninsured or underinsured because without it, it would leave me open to where now I'm stuck with having to replace my car. Right. And I accept the fact that if I damage my $4,000 car, 
I can just go get money out of my savings and buy another one if it's my fault. If it's not my fault, I don't want to accept that. I'm going to say somebody else is liable for this damage. It's not my mistake. So I want my insurance company to step in and protect me and take care of my car if the other person is uninsured or underinsured. And that's 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 a good way to to be protected while still having insurance enough to make sure you have liability coverage. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown of why it would be important to have that. And realizing, again, that sometimes you don't need to have that collision coverage, but mm-hmm. that underinsured keeps you safe if somebody else causes the accident. Yeah. All right. So there's a few other uh, different coverage options. And these ones, you begin to weigh out whether they're worth the cost. So one is roadside assistance. And almost every insurance company now offers this optional coverage. Uh, so if you need tow service or you have a flat tire or a dead battery, uh, roadside assistance will provide that. They'll actually have somebody uh, drive out to where your vehicle is and fix the flat for you or Put in a new battery. Now there's going to be a nominal premium that goes along with that that mm-hmm. you pay every month. And depending on what they do for your vehicle, I mean, if yeah. they... You'll they, still have a cost. Yeah, you'll still have it's a cost. Not, it's all 100% free. <laughs> it just pays for you to have somebody that's going to be coming out to you and that liability for them to come and help you is there. So um, there's also rental reimbursement. If your car is in an accident and now it's in the shop for several days, you're going to need a vehicle. If you're driving to and from work every day and all of a sudden your vehicle is broken, well, then you're going to have to rent a vehicle or borrow someone's vehicle. And if you have great access to a network where you could borrow vehicles, that may be a good solution to this. But if you don't, then you're going to rent one and you're probably going to want to have the insurance company pay for that rental charge. Now, this is again a good balance out because if you have a good emergency fund, what are the odds that you're going to need to go rent a car? You know, What are the odds that your vehicle will be damaged that badly? And maybe... $30 $30 a day for four or five days isn't that big of a hit on your personal finances. Right. So this is why it becomes very optional. You've got to realize, do I need the rental reimbursement or not? And then another good one is glass breakage. So in general, this coverage is not worth it because of the long-term cost. Uh, your deductible is usually actually higher than the cost of the windshield repair itself. And so this, this coverage kicks in if your glass gets broken. Unless you drive on gravel roads a lot or uh, you deal with small rocks and, you know, I'm thinking really rural areas yeah. where there's a lot of dust and dirt that gets kicked up then it might make a lot of sense. But in general, this one doesn't necessarily fit because the cost to replace the glass is not usually that expensive. And usually the deductible on these is pretty high. Um, So what are some other things to look at with that? Yeah, I think with any of these that you mentioned, you have to consider that the cost per month adds up, especially adds up not just during the term policy, which may be six months, but over time, over years. Right. Uh, Recently, I I came home from uh, being out of town. I drove and then came back. And on the way home, uh, an engine part broke on my car. And so I was stranded on the side of the road. It took out both of my drive belts, so I oh. could not drive the car because it overheat. So I'm stuck on the side of the road. I don't have AAA. Uh, I don't have uh, tow service or, or uh, roadside assistance. So, of course, I, I did what I had to do, which is I called a wrecker that was close by. I mm-hmm. paid, I think it was $125 to, to get me home. And I... In that moment, I, I you know, I had plenty of time waiting for the tow truck to show up, and I thought <laughs> this would be kind of it'd be convenient to have AAA or to have roadside assistance. But then I thought about the cost. Okay, this is the first time this has happened to me in probably twenty years where I got stuck on the side of the road where I had to call a tow truck. So for me, I thought, okay, if I do the math, and I would have paid even eight dollars a month for roadside right. assistance right. for the last twenty years, 
do the math. It's a lot more than $125. Yeah. So for me, it didn't make sense. I maintain my cars. I, I don't usually drive cars that are going to break down. I'm very mechanically inclined. Now, for me, it didn't make sense to have it. And when I do the math long term, it's not it's not a viable option for me. I would spend more money having roadside assistance than if I didn't. But I would not recommend that for somebody that's uh, not mechanically inclined right. or potentially a single mom or a, a, a single female that doesn't know anything about cars. She may get stuck somewhere in a, in a neighborhood that she doesn't want to get stuck and have to deal with this thing on her own. And so for a person like that, I would say, hey, there are certain seasons of life where this is a, be a good thing to have. But things like rental reimbursements, uh, glass breakage, these are, these are just convenience uh, things that are not going to cost you a lot of money. So what I want to really communicate to our listeners is it sounds like a good idea when you're in that office of the agent and they're trying to sell you on these things because it's all somewhat fear-based. No, you need to have this and you need to have that. What's going to happen? And, and honestly, when you do the math, you realize it's not really that big of a problem. And if you do manage your money well, you can have $150 in the bank so you can you know, rent a car for a week or you can replace that, that windshield if it's really cracked beyond repair. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of the small cracks today you can repair with a small uh, you know, uh, crack refill. Uh, you, oh, know, yeah. you can even buy them in Walmart. So, so a lot of these things are no longer you know, an automatic replacement. But even if you replaced it, my dad the other day called me and said, I just had my windshield replaced. And I asked him how much it was. And he said it was like $180. Oh, wow. So I'm like, okay. I mean, it's a minivan. It's a pretty big windshield, but it was $180 out the door. And they came to his house. So I said, that's a pretty good deal. And he paid for it himself. He didn't have the coverage. So my point is, it's not a huge cost in the long term. And rather than having a payment every month on all of these, right? So if you have $8 on this, $6 on that, $14 on this, by the time you add it all up together, you're paying thirty to forty dollars per month for all these add-ons, and you might use one of them right. once every few years. Right. And in the long run, it doesn't make any sense. Again, it's not for everybody. Consider your specific situation, but our recommendation is do the math and kind of figure out: is this worth it, or is it just buying insurance that's really a waste? Yep. There's one other quick one I want to throw in, and this is only if you have bought a vehicle and you have a loan on the vehicle, especially this happens to new vehicles. It's called gap insurance, and it covers the gap between the value of the vehicle and what you owe left on the loan. So if you buy a brand new vehicle for $30,000 and you drive it off the lot, well, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's gone down two to three thousand dollars mm-hmm. in value as yeah. soon as you leave it's about a ten percent reduction so it's worth 27 you drive it for another six months it's probably only worth 25 right. but you've only paid a couple payments on it so you still almost owe thirty thousand but it's only worth 25 so now you've got this huge gap well if you have a loan on a vehicle the loan or the loan, yeah, the loaner would be the one that would require you to have this gap insurance to make sure that that $5,000 is covered by somebody, uh, by the insurance company. So, you know, Leo and I always recommend that when you buy a vehicle, you put at least 20% down on that vehicle. We often typically will recommend that you buy a used car so that it's not going down in value faster than you're paying it off. And if you put a good down payment on it, you're never upside down on the vehicle and you'll never need that gap insurance, whether you used a loan to buy it or not. Of course, our favorite is paying cash for cars. Mm-hmm. And we've both gotten to that place where we get to do that with our yep. vehicles now, which is uh, a lot of fun. So we want you to look at your overall financial picture, but I do want you to be aware of gap coverage. I like to think of gap insurance more of the penalty of not being wise with your money, mm, right? The yeah. bank is saying, look, you're not responsible enough, so we're going to charge you this extra charge 
because you didn't put enough down and we're having to take a bigger risk because you didn't set yeah. yourself up right. I think the same thing about the PMI insurance, private mortgage insurance. It's basically a penalty because you either didn't put enough money down and the bank has to take a risk that uh, so if something happens, you're not going to have the money to bring to the table yeah. to be able to satisfy your loan. Yeah. So they're penalizing you for the fact that you didn't do what would satisfy them, which is, hey, put more of your money into the purchase, and then we're going to be okay, and you're okay, and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think about GAP and PMI the same way. It's penalty, and, and yeah. let's let's avoid that. Let's, let's get to a better place financially so we don't have to pay for those kind of penalties, because I think they, that's exactly what they are, and it's better to avoid those. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why pay for something you should never have to pay? It's basically like tax for not having your finances in a good enough position before yeah. you make a purchase. It's a bit offensive to me, but I totally understand <laughs> it from the bank's perspective oh, yeah. as well. I just, I'd like to be, I, I like for us to be wise and just realize what it is and right. just stay away from it altogether. Right, because you personally don't get any benefit. You just pay that every month, and the only person you're protecting is the bank. Yeah. So a few more things to consider when you're buying insurance, always, always, always shop it around. Even when you've been with the same company for years, mm -hmm. go to the marketplace, uh, email four or five different insurance agents across multiple companies. Uh, look at a few independent agents. This is one of my favorite things to do is yeah. have two or three independent agents shop it. When I say independent, it means that they're not captive to one carrier. So uh, if you're talking to a State Farm agent, they only sell State Farm insurance. Now, I, have, I have a friend who is a State Farm agent, but he's also but independent. But he's also independent. Because he, he can sell any <laughs> yes, company, yes. Uh, any policy from any company. So, yes. And that's important to realize that not all of the standard farmers agents or all state agents are simply just selling all state or true. farmers policies. So it's worth asking the yeah. question to say, hey, are you an independent agent? Can you shop around to give me right. the best rate and the best coverage for me? And once you do that, then you know it doesn't matter if they are with farmers, they're going to find you the best rate because the benefit to using an agent versus online, and this is something I really want to touch on, the benefit is that one, you're talking to a person Right, And you can ask questions and you can get the proper coverage. And I'll tell you where the benefit really uh, pays off is when you have to file a claim. Mm. When you have to file a claim, you'll find out that an agent is much better than an online cheap insurance rate because an agent will go to bat for you. This has happened to me many times. Mm. I've sold two houses in the last 10 years. On both houses, the roof had to be replaced because of hail damage. It wasn't enough to cause any leaks or even to be noticed from the ground. But once the inspection was done at the time of sale the seller demanded that the roof be replaced before they buy it. So I filed a claim with the insurance company. The insurance company came out. They said, sorry, it's not bad enough. We're not going to do it or we're going to partially fix it. I'm like, that's not, that's not going to work. Right. You need to do the whole thing. And all I had to do was call my agent. I didn't bother him at first. I just said, hey, you know, I, I tried to take care of this myself. Right. I filed a claim. I did everything. Right. But I'm having resistance. He made one phone call. The guy came out, wrote us a check. It was that simple. Wow. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I would have bought some third-rate insurance company, I would have had to fight him tooth and nail. I might have even lost a sale right. Right. because I didn't have five, $6,000 to replace that roof. Well, I had it, but I didn't want to spend it that way. Right. So it's important sometimes to realize that when you're buying insurance, depending on the kind of insurance you're buying, uh, having an agent can be very, very beneficial. Yeah. And and they're incentivized because they want your repeat business. Absolutely. They know people shop around, so then they're going to try to keep their cost as low as possible 
and to give you the best uh, service so that you will choose them rather than jump around to uh, another company. Yeah, that's really good. So look for independent agents. It's also okay to work directly with a captive agent, but make sure that you're shopping it around multiple carriers no matter what happens. From there, uh, once you've landed on two or three prospective carriers that you're going to utilize and say, this is I'm now down to two or three, and I'm deciding based on price, but also decide based on ratings and how they, uh, what their industry um, reputation is. And so you can type in the insurance carrier's name and then AM Best Rating into Google, and it'll tell you what their rating is according to AM Best. And AM Best is one of those independent um, groups that will look at multiple insurance carriers and look at how they are fiscally. Like what if they had a major problem and had to pay out a lot for a big hurricane? Mm -hmm. Would the company go under? Are they actually going to be financially okay? And then B, how do they handle claim service? Yeah, how more, do they handle yeah and that's really the big thing. The are big, they going right. to cover you? Right. <laughs> because regardless of what they've done, will they cover your claim? Right. And that's what you want to know. Will right. they cover your claim? Yeah. So you want to look up, you know, the name of the carrier and then type in the word complaints or um, claims handling process and find out, are these people good at handling claims and are they generally customer friendly or are they generally really tough uh, when customers need to make a claim. So find out the reputation of the companies. I will say USAA has one of the best reputations in the industry. They mm -hmm. work with military veterans and they've got a great reputation for handling claims and they're very financially responsible. Uh, Amica is one of those that will, will work with anybody. They're another that is one of the top almost every year in Consumer Reports. They're one of the top claims handlers, customer service, uh, great with coverage. So, uh, you know, anytime I land on those, Amica or USA, I always know that it's good coverage and it's being handled well. But it doesn't mean you should always go to those two. You mm -hmm. need to shop around. Price needs to come into it, but also reputation needs to come into it. Absolutely. Uh, and what I always tell folks is choose a reputable company, a company that's going to be around for the long haul. So I, I, I mean, I'm pretty basic when I, I try to do a lot of research, but I can get into analysis paralysis. So I stick to the companies that I know have been around and will be around, they're not going to try to nickel and dime me when it comes to a claim. And they're also not going to fight me on if I need my car fixed, I don't want some third-rate parts or, or parts from a junkyard. I want right. that car to be brought to as good a condition as it was before the accident. Right. And when you're choosing a lesser company, this is where the problem comes in. They're yeah. not going to approve certain repairs. They're not going to approve certain parts. Uh, they certainly don't want to spend as much money uh, as as a reputable company will without any argument. So to me, that that's worth the lack of headaches that I would have. It's worth the extra money. And I think when you think about the large companies, all state farmers, um, State Farm, you know, Progressive, these companies have been around a long time. Right. Customer service is very important to them. They know that you have options. And there's a lot of small companies coming into the insurance industry all the time trying to underrate and undercut these larger companies, but most of the time they cannot offer the same level of service. Right. But you will pay more for these. Right. So you have to look at that and say, okay, how can I find a company and a policy that's good enough to cover me while also not paying a huge premium that I maybe maybe too much for your for your budget. Yeah. Yep. Well I'll I'll put that together with here the top ten insurance companies based on their size. This is not claims process, this is not uh, rating, but just so you know, top ten on their size, State Farm Berkshire Hathaway, which owns Geico, Liberty Mutual, Allstate, Progressive, 
Travelers, Chubb Insurance, which does a lot of commercial insurance, USAA, Farmers Insurance, Nationwide. Uh, these are some of the ones that have been around a long time, and they are they are the largest um, according to how much premiums they write on any given year. So Leo, any closing thoughts? Probably the last one is just, you know, as far as trying to save money on auto insurance, I think the, the one thing to consider, one thing that we touched on briefly, but we didn't really dig into is when do you make that switch from having collision and comprehensive full coverage to just liability? And this is important because there's a significant difference between one and the other. Uh, it could be less than half the cost. Sometimes it's a fraction of the cost, depending on the vehicle. And I think there is uh, wisdom in getting liability insurance for certain vehicles. But I say that also wanting to stress the fact that you don't get liability insurance unless you have the ability then to cover if your car is damaged and it's your fault. So don't put yourself in a situation where you're not properly covered. But I have had liability insurance for many, many years. Now, when I buy a car that's over $10,000, then I will get full coverage. Right. And I've done that. But once the value of that vehicle begins to drop and it gets to about $5,000, when it gets to about $5,000 is when I drop the full coverage and go to liability. And I do that because I'm saving significantly. Now, I do hold on to cars longer than most people. I'm currently driving a 17-year-old car and my wife's driving an 18-year-old car. So we do drive older vehicles that are well-maintained, that are good cars, um, but they're not worth very much, right? I mean, if, we, if it gets totaled, the company will, might write us a check for $2,000, so for me to pay, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars every six months for two used vehicles, it's just too much money. In the course of ten years, that to me is almost two cars that I would have replaced. Um, so for me personally, I don't do it. But I think when you get when your car gets to a certain price level, if you have your own savings, and you should, you should have a next car fund, right? We talked about this when we've done the episodes on buying a car. That you should always be saving for a car. So if you do that, if you're putting aside, let's say, even $200 a month, and you do that for three, four years, and you've got eight, nine, $10,000 in there, you can drop the full coverage at that point on your car, especially if your car is worth this less than $7,000, $8,000, because now you already have the money to replace your car if you had to, right? Yep. And why not take the difference and save it towards your next car instead of paying the insurance? So that's where you have to kind of do the math and just realize that sometimes the coverage you're buying is more than what's necessary. And if you're paying a lot and the insurance company is not going to give you a lot for your car, to me, when I do the math, it just doesn't, doesn't pan out. So just something to consider. I think it's important to realize that it is a lot less, uh, plus increasing your, your deductible. Even if you do carry full coverage, if you have an emergency fund and you've got several thousands of dollars in there, right, two to three months worth of, of budget set aside, yep. then you can come up with $1,000 if it's your fault. So now the difference between having a $500 deductible or a $1,000 deductible, the policy could be $100 to $200 cheaper. That's yep. every six months. Yep. So you could be saving three, $400 a year. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your Android device. Uh, that way it's easier for people to find us and benefit from the content. Will you also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform? Go to Instagram, go to Facebook, share a link so that other people can find us. We'd love to have you, your friends, and your family be a part of the conversation. Now, you can find the show notes to this episode, more content, and resources at leosabo.com leosabo.com and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right, right.
think there is uh, wisdom in getting liability insurance for certain vehicles. But I say that also wanting to stress the fact that you don't get liability insurance unless you have the ability then to cover if your car is damaged and it's your fault.